Do you want to know more about vampires, werewolves, zombies, and man-made monsters? Would you like to know more about the classic Universal Monster movies responsible for creating the entire horror genre? Then listen to our podcast, Let's Talk Monsters. Where we discuss everything monsters. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to another episode of Booby Trap Chat. Hi, I'm Leanna. And I'm Mike. So in this episode, we want to keep a similar format to last episode where we talk a little bit about the case and then hopefully segue into something a little bit lighter. And uh, today I wanted to return back to Richie, the victim of this whole story, who was shot breaking into Chuck Falco's house by a booby trap that Chuck Falco set up. And what I wanted to talk about was more about Richie the person. Uh, in the original podcast, and I think it's episode one, I talked a little bit about my friendship with Richie. In the episode that you were in, you talked about Richie being your boyfriend. Just sort of give a little bit more insight into this kid. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, because I feel like we've talked so much about all this other stuff. And as was the case with the shooting, the aftermath of the shooting, everyone was talking about the guns and whether Chuck had a right to defend his property and whether Chuck should serve any jail time. And people seem to forget that, hey, a 14-year-old kid just got killed. Like that right. seemed to sort of just become background noise. Secondary almost. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, look, that's a life, you know? And so, yeah, I just wanted to go back to uh, seventh grade and uh, talk a little bit about Mr. Thomas and his history class. <laughs> he was the coolest. He was the best teacher. <laughs> he was great, yeah. I, I wonder where he is now. I wonder where he is now, yeah. The first few times that I remember Richie was around Oak Grove Elementary School, which he attended. But remember, he was a year older than I was. I used to see him. I never had a class with him at that point I used to just see him around and then of course he was friends with Tony Simmons because his Richie's grandmother lived right next door to Tony Simmons and I used to see them always playing in front of Tony Simmons house together mm -hmm. but it was one of those things where early on when I was younger when I was in elementary school Tony Simmons and I weren't really friends you know I knew him but we weren't really friends and then therefore Richie didn't come over and we didn't play together you know we didn't ride our bikes or anything like that or play football in the front of you know in the street or whatever but there was this one thing that I did once. This is in the book. Once again, for all you people who don't like me and think I'm a bully, this is going to fit right in there well with that. Um, <laughs> it was the 4th of July. I, I want to say this was 1976. So it was only a year or so before Tony Simmons and I started to become friends and started to hang out a lot. But I saw Tony and Richie hanging out in the front of Tony's yard. Uh, Tony had the sprinklers, you know, that were Bill 
built into the lawn, lawn sprinklers. Yeah, the ones that pop up. Yeah, and so you could wear your uh, swimming trunks if it was a really hot day, and his parents would turn the sprinklers on to water the lawn, and the kids would just run through the lawn. And so that was really common in South Florida. It's sort of like the South Florida equivalent to when kids would open up the fire hydrants in New York City and do that sort of thing. The summers in New York are really hot. And so the, oh, yeah. the firemen would come and they would actually open up a fire hydrant so the kids could cool off, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, I had my uh, arsenal of fireworks this particular 4th of July. And I went over to the house that was behind Tony Simmons's house. And I was totally hidden. I was camouflaged because all these bushes and stuff were there. And what I did was I set up about two or three smoke bombs. And meanwhile, Tony Simmons and Richie were sitting in the backyard on lawn chairs, just sort of like sunbathing. And so I lit these smoke bombs off and then I ran away. All of a sudden, like what they would have seen would have been there sitting there and all of a sudden the whole backyard would have been filled with smoke, you know? Right. Nice move, Mike. I I think that's a pretty innocent prank. Yeah, at least it wasn't like a pack of M80s or something attached to the fence, yeah. No, this is, you know, most of it was smoke bombs. But anyway, I came out from that house and I went around the block, the side, and I was walking back to my house. And when I was at the intersection, Tony Simmons and Richie had run to the front of the yard, I guess, because they were getting smoked out, you know? Right. And, and by the way, this is totally harmless and the smoke just blows away and it's not a big deal. It's a totally legit prank. That's why they made smoke bombs. And it was the 70s. Yeah. So I, I have to mention all of this for all of the sensitive people out there. But anyway, Tony Simmons gave me this look like, you asshole. But the look that Richie gave me, I'll never forget. He just had this look of, oh, I thought we were better friends than that, Mike. I think there was sort of a, a mutual respect. Richie was just like, why'd you do that, man? Like, that wasn't cool. So now we fast forward to seventh grade when I had the history class with Mr. Thomas. But Richie, like he was more or less my go-to friend in that class. Right. You always had your friends in the specific classes. Right. Remember how horrifying it would be like when you got your schedule and like nobody that you really knew was in a class? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was terrible. That really sucked. Yeah, you're like, who am I making an alliance with in here? Exactly, right. So (laughs) this is in the regular podcast. Uh, He and I wound up cutting the history class. I really gained a respect for him that day because I realized how mature he was. One of the things he really wanted to talk a lot about, there were two things. I mean, three things, actually. One was my friendship with Tony Simmons. He just said he he really considers you to be his best friend now, Mike. He said, you know, we were best friends. We've always been best friends, you know, for many years. He's, but Richie was saying that, like, he had, like, new friends that he was hanging out with. And also because Tony wasn't in the Boy Scouts, that they right. had kind of drifted apart. And Tony said, oh, you know, Mike's my best friend, you know, and stuff like that. And that was nice. I mean, it was nice for him to say. So there was that. And then he wanted to talk about music. I was just learning how to play the guitar at the time. And he was very interested in that. And then just rock and roll in general. He wanted to pick my brain about all the different bands that I knew and records that I had and stuff like that. Uh, And then the third thing he wanted to talk about was you, because this was in the spring of 78 when Mm. you and I were boyfriend, girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to know, what's it like, you know, having a girlfriend and, you know, what's Leanna like? I thought it was kind of odd. I mean, honestly, you know, a lot of kids were dating, like uh, everyone (laughs) seemed to be Everyone partnered up. Yeah. And I just thought it was odd that Richie being a year older, he was sort of mystified by like, oh my God, you know, like, oh, you're only in seventh grade and you have a girlfriend. Like, wow, what's that like and stuff. And so, so I wasn't surprised whenever it was a year later, a year and a half later that you guys were going out because I remembered that he always sort of had a thing for you. 
you know? Yeah, one of the things I wanted to say was that, and it's one of the things that, it's one of the saddest parts of this, the whole thing to me, is that I feel like, like the conversation he had with you and the time that we hung around together, me and Richie, and like some of the things that he did, it seemed like he was trying to be like, like become a normal kid. Cause you could see that he had, was having, like you said, it was weird that he hadn't really, you know, kind of approached a girl or had a girlfriend up until that point. And um, the experience that I had with him was that I had, he was going to come over to a place where I was babysitting. It was in the neighborhood and we were going to listen to music because he, he would talk about music. And I remember we're going to, I had the sticks album, which was pieces of eight and he wanted to listen to that. And I, and when he came over, he wanted to have some private time. He was very uh, forward. Like he, he pulled all his clothes off. <laughs> he left his underwear on, but he pulled all his clothes off. And I'm like, to me, that was shocking. Right. Because I felt like, you know, kids at that age, you're, you're not, kids at that age aren't like that. There's a reason why he was like that. And now we know what it was. Yeah, you, you, ha- you had to sort of strategically work your way into those kinds of situations. Because as much as you wanted to do that kind of stuff, you were still very self-conscious and you wanted, you were trying to hide. It was a weird sort of thing. Like, but that, I think that's pretty common with kids. Or he was just accustomed to doing that. Right. He was, he just did it. And I was like, nope, I just, everything got shut down. Yeah. You know, because it, it, it freaked, it literally freaked me out. Cause I was like, this is just weird. Right. You know, right. We were just kids and kids are kind of awkward that way. And you fumble around and you're, you're learning, you're just learning stuff, you know? Right. But, uh, it was, it was too forward and too weird. And it just was, I just, I was just like, nope, bat like just, I think I probably backed off at that point right? a bit because I couldn't figure, I couldn't figure him out. But like you said, more mature, acting more mature. And that's a good example of that. But it seemed like at the same time, he was trying to do things kind of outside of, you know, where he's been kind of trapped in that situation with Chuck and all the secrets and all the grooming and all the shit that was going on. Right. You know, that he was just trying to be, he was just trying to be a kid his age. And I, that to me, that's it's so tragic and so sad. It is. It is. That he didn't get, he never got there. The main reason why I wanted to tell these stories, a couple stories again, was because I'm trying to tell it from the perspective, not as someone who's my age now with everything I know, but mm-hmm. more so as someone who is still 14. Tony Simmons and Richie were trying to set me up. They wanted Chuck to think that I was the person breaking into Chuck's house. Mm-hmm. We sort of went back and forth a little bit about how to approach that and how I was going to tell the story and how I've always told the story. And I've always told it from the standpoint of a 14-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. And what it feels like, because we had debates as to like what we should edit out and keep and stuff. Sure. And they didn't want me at all to make Richie out to be a bad person at all. Right, right. Because I said, you know, well, the way I felt as a 14-year-old kid walking away from that meeting with Chuck was that I wanted to beat the shit out of Tony Simmons. Now, he's my friend, and I wound up just sort of yelling at him and you know, letting mm-hmm. him know that how— mad I was that he put me in a dangerous situation like that, you know, Mm. but I also was very mad at Richie. It really changed the way I felt about Richie. I never felt the same about that guy ever again. I didn't see him again 
before he was killed. I don't remember seeing him or hanging out with him. Yeah. But I remember saying to myself, yeah, Richie's kind of an asshole. Like that's, you know, that's because you got to know how dangerous Chuck is. I mean, if anyone knew how dangerous Chuck is, Chuck was at the time, would be those kids, you know, and to piss him off and to put him on me, knowing full well that I had nothing to do with any of that stuff and just saying, hey, let's let's just pin it on the guy that has long hair and like looks like a freak in our neighborhood. Chuck will believe that, you know. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And I just thought was that was really mean. Now, of course, talking about it now is my age and looking back, of course I'm not mad at Richie anymore. And, I, you know, that's, right. you know, after no, knowing everything. But when I'm telling the story, I think the story is more effective when it's told the listener gets into the my 14-year-old self. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when I was talking about chasing Tony Simmons down the street and pinning him down and stuff. I mean, of course that's not acceptable. And that was a stupid, mean thing to do. But I'm trying to put people into my 13-year-old self. Right. That I was just a right. dumb little 13-year-old kid who thought that it would be funny knowing full well that I wasn't going to do anything to Tony, that I was just teasing him. Right. But it's not nice to tease people. Like we know that now because we're adults, you know? Right. Yeah. My second story, it was Christmas Eve of 1978. I just finished listening to the Dolphin game. The Dolphins were playing the Oilers in a wild card game that day and they lost. And I was really upset. I was really mad that the Dolphins lost that game. And it's Christmas Eve. And I'm thinking to myself, this is probably the shittiest I've ever felt on a Christmas Eve ever in my life because of this damn team, you know? And right at that point, Tony Simmons and of all people, Richie, Richard Brush are at my, on my porch knocking on my screen door. And they were nice. They were friendly. I think that was the one and only time that Richie ever came into my house. They were like, what are you doing? I said, ah, I was just listening to the Dolphin game. First thing he said was like, did they win? I was like, nah, they lost. He goes, oh my God, I can't believe they lost. He was kind of disappointed that the Dolphins lost. And then we went into my bedroom. And the first thing he saw was lying on my turntable was Sticks Grand Illusion, the album, mm-hmm. right? Richie likes Sticks. And he ran to that record <laughs> And he grabbed Mm -hmm. it. And I'll never forget the way he held that record. It was like gold. It was like something that he had always wanted. And it it was the, because to me, it was just like, it's just an album, dude. Like we got, I got tons of albums here, you know, but that Mm -hmm. one in particular, he just said, he goes, oh my God, you have grand illusion. He was like, oh man. And he just held it in his hands and he stared at it for like 30 seconds. And then he flipped it around and he looked at the back and he was like reading all the liner notes and everything. All the liner notes. Yeah. Yep. The best part. And what I took away from that was just that, yeah, he wasn't really allowed to have rock and roll records. Someone in his family just didn't. I I don't want to say they wouldn't allow it, but I guess they must have frowned upon it or something. Yeah. I don't know. He had older. He had. Did he just have the one sister? Yeah, one or two. I can't remember. Definitely one older sister, maybe two. I I, I think I remember yeah. Tony saying that he had two two older sisters. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what they how they were involved that way. If they were all just were they all just very religious, or was there alcohol in the home? Was there like there's so many 
things and you go because he was he was acting out like he was acting out yeah and so yeah you gotta wonder what what the family life was like i already talked about this in the regular podcast it was during that visit that i'm pretty sure he stole my toke stone Mm -hmm. because that's when it went missing and then i found it a few weeks later at tony simmons house tony simmons said you shouldn't have told richie that you liked it because once you told him that you liked it, that's what gave him motivation to take it away from you or some, something like something to that effect. I, yeah. So it makes me feel like, and I'm no psychologist. Okay. But some of this stuff is as we've gotten older, we've been exposed to more stories about kids who are in abusive situations and, and some of the ways that they behave. Right. But it, it kind of goes along with what I was saying about him trying to be a normal kid like trying to kind of integrate into a more normal group or do more normal things it sounds like some kind of like jealousy or yeah yeah you know like you know what does that make sense yeah to you? no that, you know what yeah I'm that's kind of the way i felt too so that's what it feels like to me so fucking sad yeah man. Yeah. Anyway, it's just sad. There's a word that I was looking for that I can't think of right now, but. Yeah. For some reason that I don't know to this day, it just seemed like I was one of those people that he was either jealous of or he just. Yeah. It maybe had, it it had way less to do with you than it actually had to do with him and what was going on in his life. Which is totally understandable now. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, at at the time as a kid, I was just, I got to that point where I was like, well, screw him. You know, I don't, he's not really that good of a friend of mine anyway. And then of course, when all of these rumors started to come out and certainly after he was shot, then a lot of the truth came out and then it didn't surprise me at all. Like all of this stuff. Well, I also had the grand illusion, but you know how I got that record and a lot of my records, and I'm sure you did too. Uh, oh, through the, do you remember the Columbia? Remember Columbia, <laughs> Columbia, yeah. <laughs> send us a dollar, and, and we'll send you 13 records or something. Yeah, and they would just send it, and then you would just like, I mean, I would get it repeatedly, and you would just you could use the same address, and you just change the name. And I got lots of my records though. <laughs> oh my god! And the when they would come, it was like. Christmas morning. Oh my God. It was like Christmas. I loved it so much. I was just like, I, I can remember. And I talk about the process of like how exciting it was to get albums. And you would just literally like you were talking about how Richie was holding it and looking at it, but just even taking the plastic off of it and just looking at the uh, cover of it and pulling that sleeve out. And then the liner notes. Oh my God. The freaking liner notes. Like you would, it replaced the cereal box from when you were a little kid, you know, right. you would just like, just go over all of it. And it, it was while you were listening to it, you would look at it. Sometimes the lyrics would be on there and it was awesome. Yeah. I used to love, especially with a lot of the seventies bands uh, to see who played what instrument. One of my favorite bands to do that was um, Jethro Tull. I remember I got oh my songs God. from the woods. I'm still a Jethro Tull fan. Yeah. I love it. At the time, you know, that was so cool. Like 1977, you know, the inserts, like with the white album, when you got that poster with all the lyrics on it, which was, that was awesome. Yeah. But when you get into the seventies bands, yeah, you get much more into the, uh, who's playing what and and then all of that stuff in the liner notes and yeah and then you would also people would also roll their pot on like the double album oh yeah all the time yeah yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. well because the yeah, pot in those and, days had the the stems and the seeds and you had to get rid of that stuff so i have a question for you and you better tell me the truth because you gave me as a gift you gave me the aerosmith dream on album 
Now, I want to know if you purchased it or if you just got it in one of those batches of 10 or 13 albums. No, what happened with that was my brother and I, by mistake, we both ordered that record. Oh, so I just got You the got extra the extra one. one, right. Was it Draw the Line or Dream On? I can't remember. Which, it was Dream On. So it, was it was Dream On. It was the first record, yeah. Uh, yeah. First Aerosmith record. I mean, like I was going to say before, it was a ritual, you know? It was a ritual that we all did. Oh, it definitely was, yeah. I mean, you and me spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah. We, we all did, where we would sit in dark rooms and... Just we would listen to music that way. Yeah, or with the headphones. Or if you didn't have headphones, you would take the two speakers and put them pointing at each other and then you would lay between them. <laughs> so you get the full you get the full stereo effect, you know. I like that we used to lay in I remember going to Mickey Brown's place because he lived kind of behind me. Right, right. And there was a bunch of us laying in the living room and he put on Dark Side of the Moon and turned out the lights. And we had flashlights or something, and we were like putting, you know, like doing a laser light show with the flashlights on the ceiling in the living room. It was awesome, you know? Yeah. The way in which you get your music has changed so much. Mm -hmm. The compact disc really ruined that whole experience of the record album. Uh, It just wasn't the same. We could talk about the fidelity. I have friends who say, oh, compact discs were so much better than records. I say, I don't agree. But anyway, the point being that by 1987, 88, certainly by the early 90s, that whole ritual of buying record albums and, and opening them up, enjoying the artwork and reading the liner notes and getting the lyrics and all of that stuff, it was all gone. Yeah. By the early 90s, which is crazy because we're 30 years removed from that now. And, right, and, right. You know, and now we don't even get to hold anything physical. Like when you listen to no, music. now we don't. We just, exactly. Yeah. We don't even have to type it in. We can just talk to our phone. It's, yeah, it's all just virtual. It's yeah. crazy how much that's changed. So, um, yeah. That's kind of ending on a sad note, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> light, but sad. <laughs> it's not. It's just change, evolution. I mean, I'm glad that we had those times. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that I was a part of that time in history. Yeah. And I recently got a record player. Every Christmas now, I ask for albums. We were thinking about doing that too. I have all of these songs on my computer. So it's not really to listen to them. No, but it's like you're saying, it's the ritual. It's the ritual, right. So I've got all these records and I'm still yet to open them because I'm saving that. Oh, yeah. Well, I might come to San Francisco in February. Yeah, we could could have a party and like just... We could. A record album party. Yeah, and just like, okay, here's Led Zeppelin 1. Are you ready? And then- <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It would, yeah, no, that would be that would be fun. I mean, everyone else would be like, what are you guys doing? Why are you sitting on the floor with all of that cellophane? Cellophane, yeah, cellophane, right, yeah. Bye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Leave us five stars and a review. Thanks. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Do you want to know more about vampires, werewolves, zombies, and man-made monsters? Would you like to know more about the classic Universal Monster movies responsible for creating the entire horror genre? Then listen to our podcast, Let's Talk Monsters. Where we discuss everything monsters. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts.